love that tune. I really do. I just you don't you don't headbang like this. You got to go side to side whenever you hear it. That's what, I think. That's what I think when I hear it. Welcome. Hello and good evening, everyone. Welcome back to our leftist sports show on the TIR YouTube channel, Beyond the Red Zone. Where my lovely co-hosts and sometimes me discuss sports from a left perspective. There have been many obstacles keeping us from doing this show on a regular basis. So it is good to finally be back kicking off the new year with the pre-recorded version of the show. We're going to try to do more of these live because last time we did a live show, uh, the normal show host, Matt, could not make it. So Pascal Robert filled in, and we had a great turnout of the show. We we also had uh, a lot of calls, even some new callers. So definitely want to keep the call-in segment of the Red Zone going. Hope everyone had a wonderful holiday season. Uh as far as TIR goes, we'll be back live this Thursday doing our bi-monthly news show, Revolutionary Reckoning, with Matt and David of Left Reckoning. Also, we've added Philosophy for the People, featuring Ben Burgess, every Sunday. Gaming Materialist is coming back, as well as another show with Varn and Jean called Nailing It Down, a History and Mark Space show. So we have you covered here at TIR. If you're enjoying what we do here, please give the show a like. And if you haven't already, please hit subscribe. And don't forget to hit that notification bell. If you also want access to all the other things that we do, like our Fantasy Football League, where Mac will tell us who's the champion, and Movie Night, and the call-in segment of the regular show. There's only one way to do it. That's become a patron. Wherever you are watching or listening to the show, there are links in the description to do that. It is patreon.com slash bitter lake presents. All that being said, let me bring in the man of the hour. My favorite leftist sports. No. Favorite sports talk person. I don't want to put a tag on it because that's just BS, right? He doesn't he doesn't need a tag. And we're both a little heartbroken, him him a little more than me, because I am a fan of the Pac-12, or now again the 10. Stanford's kind of my, you know, I'm a, I am a Bronco fan, John Elway fan, so of course I, I'm a Stanford fan. Um, but I love watching SC. I love their uh, young quarterback who won the Heisman this year, the Caleb Williams. But uh, Jesus. Lincoln Riley is good at one thing, and that is choking. And uh, I don't even want to. I I was afraid to contact Mac and and Marcus over the uh, Ohio State loss. So please welcome from you don't know history, Mac. What's going on, man? It's good to see yeah. you. Happy yeah, it has been. Yeah. Um, so let's just put it this way. Uh, our fantasy football league pissed me off real bad about three weeks ago. 
when I lost by like two points and got relegated to the consolation bracket rather than the actual playoffs. Um, but, you know, we can't always get what we want. Uh, but I did finish better than you. So that's, <laughs> for me, that's, that's what we call a win. Um, get your hand off my penis! <laughs> but uh, right now, I'm down a point uh, in, in the consolation bracket, but I had Josh Allen as my starting QB. So with everything that happened, uh, it looks like ESPN is going to extend the, like, the, the league a week. Ooh. I mean, I don't know how they're going to do that. But... I don't know. Have they, have they even mentioned? Because okay, so I wanted to start the show off with talking about the Hamlin injury. Let's, let's, mm. let's, get, let's dive right in. Yeah. Um, you and I have both watched sports for a long time. I was a serious football fan at nine years old. 1986 was the year for me to become a very serious football fan. And uh, my wonderful grandmother took me to a place. We have a place. I don't know if you have them where you're from called the grocery outlet. You have grocery. Yeah. Outlet? Mm-hmm. Um, grocery outlet is where you can never get the same thing twice. Oh, okay. It's one of those places. It literally is like a, it's called a grocery outlet bargain market. Like you just, it's closeouts for stuff that don't make sense. You know, catch up from Saudi Arabia. Oh yeah. I mean, there were, I, I, we actually had a place like that similar. Cause like we had the West side market. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is like an open air market on the west side of Cleveland, and mm-hmm. it always smelled amazing. You know, you had like all these food, like the, these proteins from everywhere, these veggies from everywhere, and then not too far down, you had a place like that. It was like odd sized stuff as yes. well. Yes. Um, yes. So it's like, say the average ketchup bottle is, you know, fifty milliliters. Well, here mm-hmm. you're going to get a hundred and forty milliliter bottle of ketchup. <laughs> Right, like it's not, yeah, it's like not quite Costco, but sometimes there's like the big thing, it, it just random stuff. And in this place, they had this book. It was a coffee table book, and it's called Super Bowl by the Bay, and it was a commemorative book for the '84, or I guess it would have been '85 Super Bowl. Um, the Niners playing the Dolphins that year because it was a rare occurrence that the Super Bowl was happening in a non-NFL stadium. It was happening at the Stanford Stadium, and it went through. Just gore, these gorgeous pictures of every Super Bowl from one to whatever one that was. That was probably like 20. No, that would have been. I don't remember the number. If anyone watching remembers the number, I can't remember the number. But it had the statistics of every game. Okay. I, I studied that book. <laughs> every day. I, I read every statistic in that book. I, I could probably tell you how many yards a quarterback threw for. From Super Bowl one to like fifteen. Yeah, the same thing with those with those types of like statistical. Um, because mm-hmm. like for me as a kid, I wanted to sound smarter than the adult. So I figured mm-hmm. if I knew the stat, leg up on them because like you know how it is, your uncles in the back like, no, I'm pretty sure because I was I was at that game, I was at that game, and it's like, no, Jim, you were <laughs> yeah, you yeah, were yeah, sitting yeah. here on the couch watching the game. No, I was there, and I'm pretty sure he threw for like. 500 yards and then you just pipe up as like a nine-year-old like nah dude like he had two touchdowns. you know like garcia didn't do it that day yeah. he didn't have it in him he didn't have it in him uh, you know he'd only been removed from canada for about two years off of a great great stint in edmonton 
with the then uh, Eskimos, now the Elks, you know, like shit like that. I, yeah, so that that for me, I was I was a football fan. Um, I begged my grandmother for uh, you know how the J.C. Penny catalog came out or the Sears catalog came out, and you would just look at it. You yeah. knew you wasn't gonna get hardly anything in it, but you still looked at it. Well, I. That's right. Circled everything. Yeah, wanted. circled, started, circled it, I, and kept circling it. Mm-hmm. She, the the woman, had mercy on me and got me a complete set of the 1986-87 tops football. And I and I stuck my I stuck my hand in the first card I pull out. And if you if you're a collector and if you're a, a a person of around me and Max age and you're late 30s mid 40s, you you know, you know when you got the complete set there was no packages to unwrap. Yep. You just got your hand in there and you got cards. I stuck my hand in. What's the first card I pull out? John Elway. No way. Yes. <laughs> That's meant to be at that point. That's just meant to be. So I was I was after that he was he was my dude. And then that that book also, of course, went into the, the history of uh, Stanford quarterbacks that were in the NFL. So it talked about Plunkett and and then uh, Elway. At the but by the time the book came out, he was going into his second season, and I think the Broncos actually went to the playoffs that year. Um, so they're like, "There's this guy." So I kept reading about this dude, Elway, and I had vague memories of the big game where there's the was it Kevin Mowen, the spike at the end where he hits the band member. Mm-hmm. But what people forget is why that was so like dramatic was that Elway had brought Stanford back. They kick a field goal to take a lead <laughs> with like one second left on the clock. Like, and, yep. and that's what Elway and and as an as an Ohio State fan, Stanford used to play against Ohio State in the regular season, and those were big games because there's a few people from that team that 82 team that went on to the to the league. But I think James Lofton was gone by then, you know, yeah. we're talking about like Darren Nelson <laughs> and John yeah. Elway trying to beat, you know, a very stocked uh, Ohio state team. And those were some big games. Their quarterback actually ended up playing for the bears. I can't think of his name for life. He was Jim McMahon's backup. Okay. Hold on. Give me a second. Uh, he had one of those hardcore Midwest names. Mike Tomzak. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the minute the minute you said hardcore Midwest, I was like, that's fucking Tomzak. That's exactly who that is. <laughs> but in all like, these it go was ahead, go ahead. T-O-M-C-A-Z-K or something like that. It was very no. Yes. It was like you said, it was a very ethnic, very Midwestern name, and he looked very, very Midwestern. Yes. And by that, he had, like, the basic 80s white kid haircut, and he was as pasty as, like, you know, a, a, a clear, you know, newly painted wall. Like, that man was terrified of the sun, you know? Like, he, he could have been a vampire. could have been it, a Well, then he should have put up better stats then. <laughs> All those bad – put in Tom Zach. <laughs> Literally ripped a guy's head off and then completed 90% of his passes for 600 yards and eight touchdowns. Like, why aren't we playing him more? We don't need the pretty boy from BYU put in Tom Zach. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck McMahon. Where's Tom Zach at? Tom Zach? 
McMahon was injured so much in his time in Chicago. I know every backup that played for the Bears. Well, dude, is this, isn't this the weird thing, right? Like, when people talk about Jim McMahon, mm-hmm. boil it down to it. Because, like, he's, like, super well-respected, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, he's he's got a pretty successful podcast, and people, like, call in to listen to him. Like, people listen to him, like, say the most wazoo shit about football. But mm-hmm. it's like, dude, he only had two good years. Is it? And other than that, was a dog shit quarterback that was all hurt the all the time. Like, how are you, how do you celebrate this, dude? Like, you got to remember at the tail end of his career when he was like the journeyman, he ended up in Cleveland. Oh, did he? And people were like, "We got to play him, man. <laughs> Look at what he did in Chicago." And I'm like, I'm like, this dude is like ten years playing days. You know, yes. last year he was in with I think with the Packers the year before. San Diego the year before that, you know, like it was just like no Philly for a minute. Yeah, he, he was so, he was in so many places. I I remember there was a game in eighty seven, eighty six because it was after they won the Super Bowl, and that Bears team was still really good. I, I, yeah. They retained most of the players from that. Uh, oh, damn near everybody because you got to remember NFL to free agency didn't start until ninety three. Yeah, so that team was pretty pretty well stocked. Yeah. Um. The Green Bay Packers, also people need to remember the leagues were very, very different. Very, very different alignment of leagues. The Green Bay Packers were playing the Bears, and this is back in the bounty-ish days. And and McMahon had completed a pass, and the defensive lineman grabbed him and just dipped him on his shoulder. And like, <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, oh, my God. It was like one of the most frightening things I remember seeing. He was down for a bunch of games, and but but I did I again in in everything we're describing, all the stuff we're talking about here. I've never seen even college, and I've watched an amazing amount of college games in my years. I've never seen a player go down like that that way. Um, I was waiting for people to start talking about head trauma and this is the effect of head trauma and no this is a, it looks like a heart condition no um i i all the doctors you know when everything happens and you just see this poor guy go down right um the first thing you do is trauma uh especially when you look at just a few weeks ago you had Devonte adams uh from the pay you know the patriots who nelson Aguilar had to get the medical staff's attention to get him out of the game because when he was lining up he would every time he would plant his foot he would do the wobble you mm-hmm. know like Aguilar is like he's not okay you know like and the spotter missed it the people the ref missed it you know like all these you know the the i guess the kind of back the uh, backstops yeah for yeah. concussion protocol and whatever like they missed it and it took his teammates saying no dude like like and he burned a timeout to you know to get his buddy off the field right but when he popped up like that, because, you know, he, he made the tackle and he gets up, right? He didn't look like he got his bell rung, right? It wasn't yeah. that, you know, that kind of concussed yeah. thing. It was he was up and then he was down. Yeah. Right? And, I mean, I know, like, every, the last thing I read, they were still running tests. But there's, like, when your heart is pumping, right, like, it's a cycle. 
So it tears up and then it relaxes and it pumps your veins and arteries, right? But during, mm-hmm. during that cycle, when tensed up and it and you hit someone hard enough, you know what happens to the heart is it doesn't untense. It just stays that way, right? And then you know you're going to have to go into like emergency CPR or uh, I think even defib. I saw one of the doctors say yeah. they, like they yeah. could have done that, right? But like that's an actual thing that like I had when I was in the service, you know, one of my peers who was a friend of mine, you know, they hit an IED, and the essentially the the dash of the truck hit the kid in the chest. Mm. And that's what happened to him. Like his heart stopped, right? Like he, Ooh. they had to get him out and, uh, you know, start CPR. But like the kid had a clean bill of health. Well, as clean as you can, if you are a infantry soldier in the United States army, <laughs> um, because, you know, we were pretty much inveterate alcoholics and a lot of us smoked, uh, you know, like breathing in that beautiful burn pit, you know, <laughs> smell like it's, it was all very good. Right. But you know, at the time, you know, this is like a 19-year-old kid who was given a clean bill of health to get him in. And I know recruiters lie, but when it comes to, like, heart issues and, like, even asthma, the military shies away from that because it leaves them lie, right? Oh, okay. So, you know, like, this guy just, like, this was a fluke thing if these doctors are correct. Again, I'm not going to try and speak for the family or his representative mm-hmm. or the team, but, like, a lot of docs are, like, it's just a freak thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Um and it can happen. It's just like, it has to be at such an angle, Jason, and at such a force and at such a time that you catch, you catch the heart when it's, you know, like in the middle of that cycle and you hit it and it stops. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you this. And I know it's, it's so shocking right now. No one wants to say anything. The NFL, I feel, you know, cause I was talking to Ben uh, Burgess. We We were talking about it earlier today and he was like i'm shocked they didn't they didn't keep playing the game he goes i thought the nfl you know somebody can get sniped from the (laughs) from the rafters and they'll keep a game going i was like ben i've never seen anything like this before in my life i've never seen that many players just in tears well you gotta think and remember in 92 when they when the lions player broke his neck on the Mm -hmm. field and you know he was carted off and they were back playing 10 Mm -hmm. minutes later and it comes out, you know, he's paralyzed for life at that point, right? Well, you know, and and Troy Vincent, you know, he's 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 the player management co-opted, and I hate saying that, right? Because he very well respected player in his day, uh, worked with the NFLPA for a lot of years, but now he works with the commissioner, right? The player management co-opted to kind of say, hey. Look, we are taking care of players, and we have this person that's going to advocate for you on the management side, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what what did Troy Vincent get out and trot out this morning? Well, guys, everything you saw last night was fake. The league was not going to force the game to go on. Um, there was just, you know, we had to wait to process the information as we were getting it. Like literally, the league had was told the officials use the five minute mandated warm up period. And get him back on the field, and the coaching the coaching staffs for both t- uh, teams and the players for both teams. So there's no way in hell we're going back on. That's really. Why, That's, yeah. I felt that that was a thing that happened. I I wasn't extremely sh- I wasn't 100 percent sure. Yeah. Really. I mean, yeah. A lot of the players last night, you know, after they 
you know, change out of their uniforms and get their pads off. They hit Twitter. They a lot of it was mostly like, yeah, you know, lots of prayers, prayers, and th- and as you should when some shit like this happens. Um, but a player, I don't know if anybody noticed, players are getting more testy with fans because of social media now. Yes. And and I really believe they should because T Higgins, the guy that was tackled, mm-hmm. started getting death threats shortly after. <gasps> right? Like people just getting on Twitter and being really shitty to him. And it's like, dude, he had nothing to do with what happened. He was just a ball carrier. Kind of like an ancillary. Yeah. yeah he was, you know? So like a lot of players are like, no, dude, this is what happened. And a lot of people, you know, and maybe they didn't want to be so out front about it. They went to the press and said, no, uh, you know, it was the players and coaches that were like, we're not going back on the mm-hmm. field. And like I said, Troy Vincent, a man who was with his peers uh, during his playing days, uh, very well respected work with the Players Association before he essentially fucking, you know, bailed on his peers to go work for management, mm-hmm. um, you know, is the one trotted out to say, no, we had no intention of ever um you know putting the players back out there but brianna parr who is a you know she's a a sports journalist uh came out and said if you really believe that that then you don't know anything about the nfl right and she hit the nail on the head with that one you know like the players and the coaching staffs literally are the ones that said no we're not doing this uh and you know i respect the shit out of them for it um, you know, because like, you got to think, dude, uh, th- this is a sad thing. Like this happens all the time in regular working places. Like, especially like Amazon just had this happen. Like yeah. a week ago, where someone died and all they did was stack around this poor person, Ooh. uh, who died at work. So they didn't like, so the rest of her the, the laborers at this, this warehouse didn't stop working. Right. Mm. And I get that there should be outrage for that. I, I firmly understand that. Um, but you know what you don't typically see day to day on television in prime time? Mm. People on, you know, loading up packages at Amazon warehouses, right? So that gives Amazon the corporation a lot of ability to kind of limit how this information gets out. We saw a man at his workplace something awful happened and he almost died on the field right mm-hmm. we should still feel but like a lot of a lot of leftists out there are like well where's the outrage for the people at amazon dude i had it too i was pretty pissed off about you that. can do two things yes you can. you can walk and chew gum yeah you know you can you know like you're absolutely right jason like we we can be outraged at both of these things without lessening and he's a kid He's a fucking he's a kid. kid. He's, 20, he's like 24. He's a 24 year old kid. I, my problem with that kind of rhetoric, where people are like, "Well, the 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 what aboutism of well, what about these people that die?" I mean, I'm like, look, you you really think you can only have compassion for a thing? Yeah. Like, how dare you call yourself all these these ists, right? I'm a feminist and a Marxist and a this is. But, you know, F this guy because I assume he's a millionaire when he's probably going to play a few years and sell cars. Yeah, dude, he was a six-round pick, and he's he's worked his ass off to stay on that roster. But this is the Buffalo Bills, who are one of the most talented teams in the NFL with one of the yeah. best defenses in the NFL. Yes. Right? So this isn't 
like him holding on to his job is not going to be easy. Um, you know, and like you said, I mean, we, we've talked about this before. The average NFL like career is three years. It's five minutes, man. And they don't yeah. make that much money. No, they make more than the guys at Starbucks and the guys at Amazon. Granted, but then you're done. Yeah. 27, 25, 24. Well, shit, it, it, done. Say, say you get, say you, you only get three years coming out of college. You're 24 years old. Most cases. Yeah. 24 years old and, and the thing you, you dreamed of your whole life is over. Yes. Where do you go from here? You know, and I've met a lot of guys like that who played in, you know, XFL 2.0, USFL, mm-hmm. arena, you know, the various indoor football leagues um, that are literally like the one guy I met was a defensive back for the Fayetteville, North Carolina indoor football team. Playing indoor football, and I met him at the bank as a teller. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, mm-hmm. he's like, I make more money doing this than I do playing professional indoor football. L- <laughs> literally like, risking my future health to even do this. Yeah. You know, and, and that's nuts. You know, and again, you already hit the nail on the head. We can be pissed off about two things at the same time. Yeah, totally fine. Right? So, like, let's not belittle what happened. And I mean, I was a soldier for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. I still don't know how to properly process everything I saw on multiple deployments, multiple Mm -hmm. training things, right? I can't imagine what these dudes who, again, as we talked, like the the thought that these a lot of these players are coming out of like hard scrabble, blue collar inner city areas. It's not the case anymore. Nope. A lot of a lot of these kids, you know, like you beautifully demonstrate, were the products of two athletes. Yep. <laughs> you know, premier athletes at the college level um, that played professionally, you know, mm-hmm. and now the the kids going through the process of, well, I have to be in college for three years, you know, to, to you yeah. know, play in the, in the NFL, right? Or you know, and and maybe maybe that's not the majority of the players now, but it's a large enough mm-hmm. chunk of the 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 player pool that it's going to become yes. the norm rather than the exception within the next decade mm-hmm. right so like a lot of these guys haven't had a rough like upbringing and then they see someone almost die on a field mm-hmm. that is going to fuck you up i cannot mm-hmm. imagine being t higgins right now even though oh, he he was yeah. he was the dude that got tackled we we forget it wasn't <laughs> It was in our lifetime that a player committed suicide after he gave up a home run to lose a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Relief pitcher. Yeah. And you, you know, have yeah. you have also have athletes that you know, uh, like the the young kid from Los Angeles who abused drugs because he didn't know how to deal with the the new scrutiny he was under all the time, mm-hmm. and he ends up dying. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and like I, I, you know, I'm with you. Like I can't imagine being these players now, where every, everybody feels that they are entitled to getting a moment of your time, even if that moment is to say, you know what, dude, you're a colossal piece of shit mm-hmm. because you only got me six points on my fantasy football team this mm-hmm. week. I look, I, I'm not the biggest fantasy fan personally. Um, I understand its importance. Uh, in 
the growth of sports in general, especially when it comes to the growth of, of women's sports. I think fantasy plays a big role in that. <clears throat> to some degree, sports gambling too. Um, but well, it's especially not even just sports gambling. I think I think it's the daily, like the the DraftKings. I yes. think that has a lot more to do with the growth in popularity of sports now than like MGM in Vegas or or Atlantic City. Oh God, yeah. Oh right? God, yeah. Yeah. The apps, the the legalization of it across the board everywhere. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know if you saw, but Ohio legalized sports gambling. Guess who was tabbed to place the first bet? Bernie Pete, Rose. Pete oh, Rose. Pete Rose. It was Pete Rose. Placed the first bet in legalized Ohio sports book history. So he still is he getting in the Hall of Fame now? Um, honestly, I think if you looked at the Hall of Fame voting this year, mm-hmm. until every baseball writer that's 55 or older dies and loses that card, he'll mm-hmm. never get in. He's still the number one hits leader of all time. Oh yeah, right. And oh, that no one's taking that. No one can play as long or hit as well as he did. Um, and you got to think Pete Rose never had a whole ton of pop, but mm-hmm. he was on base all the time, right? And he played 20, I think 21 years with three different mm-hmm. teams, right? And yeah, Major League Baseball contracts are getting longer, and that's something we could talk about on another episode, mm-hmm. uh, kind of about how the business aspect of sport is really fucking over cities. Uh, case in point right now being Oakland with the A's. Um, but, uh, you know, baseball contracts are getting longer, but guys aren't playing 20 years anymore at a level like that. No. You know, like Pete Rose was slapping 250 hits, you know, the last year he played. And you got, you look at guys like Miguel Cabrera, who I think hit year 20 this year, and the dude only had like 110 hits or some shit like that, you know? Does like, a lot of that have to do with the kind of, there's a lot less challenging of players at the plate that we saw probably in the Bonds and Maguire. I'd probably say from the late mid, mid to late 90s to the to now. And I'm not that heavy of a baseball watcher like I was as as a very young man. But um, there is something to be said about constantly challenging players and intentional walks not being what they were. I mean, when Bonds is is bombing home runs for those, what, his first maybe three or four years in San Francisco, well, even I before mean, the dirty bulk. He's, oh, dude, yeah. I mean, even before is, the dirty bulk, he was still getting walked with the bases loaded. Yeah, and it, honestly, a lot of that had to do. Remember, even before the, you know, we'll call it the dirty bulk. I think that's the best way to put it because, like, <laughs> when he left Pittsburgh, he looked more lean and athletic. And those first few years in San Fran, you could tell like the dude was put in work in the gym. And then after those, like, what was it? The, after probably his fifth season yeah. in San Francisco, he looked like a fucking black Incredible Hulk, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just yeah. like. <laughs> and as a baseball fan, Mac as a baseball fan, loved every minute of it. Oh, dude. The thing <laughs> is, this, this is, this is what kills me about the hypocrisy of these fuck sticks at like the, the baseball writers association of America who pick hall of fame players. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it saved baseball. Yeah. Like the steroid era saved baseball. Yes. Um, you know, like when, when Randy Johnson's on a TV, one, one of the most, the least charismatic people in fucking major league baseball. That also was, one of the ugliest men alive. Oh God. Yeah. I no idea how that man oh, ever got God. laid, but he's oh, married with children. Think? 
playing baseball. Um, yeah, but like he said, chicks dig the long ball, or maybe that was Greg Maddox. I can't remember the commercial, but it was a Nike commercial, right? And people just dug the long ball. Man, after the strike in 94, which essentially killed baseball in Montreal. It killed uh, me. You know, I was like, well, I don't want to watch this anymore. Dude, I'm a Cleveland fan. We were in first in the Central and number two in the AL. Like, fuck, you're going to take this from me after, you know, like. Decades of just mediocrity and worse. Mm -hmm. You're mm -hmm. going to take this from me. Like Montreal, people don't realize Olympic Stadium was a fucking shithole. Yep. Players, That's where Dave Dravecki breaks his arm, never plays yeah. baseball again. And he actually loses it after that. Yeah. Well, that was more to, to the – That was cancer. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was going to say that's the tumor that destroyed <laughs> that um, But it was, it was an absolute shithole in the – Players hated playing there, but when the strike hit in 94, Montreal had the best record in baseball and was filling that stadium mm -hmm. up. And the strike hits. And Where do they move it. again? It's, uh, they're now the Washington Nationals, my friends. And now keep in mind, what was it? Oh, one. Contraction supposed to happen. We say that again because you cut out. You cut out. Oh, that's contraction. Made, look, Bud Selig makes a decision. We have too many teams. We have to get rid of two of them. So mm -hmm. he immediately targets the Twins and the Expos, mm -hmm. right? The twi Twins just are, were run by a man named Carl Polhad, who used it as a personal, you know, the team as a personal ATM through the revenue sharing and all that. Mm -hmm. Didn't put a lot of money into the team. And you have to keep in mind, just eight years before this, you know, they uh, won a World Series yeah. against Atlanta, right? Um, but the ex managed to, who were splitting the season in Montreal and San Juan, Puerto Rico, you know, <laughs> swing this trade for Bartolo Colon from Cleveland. Like, they're on the cusp of the playoffs. And then, you know, they end up, you know, the league steps in, they owns them for a couple of years, and then they sell them to the Lerner family, you know, and, and we get the Washington Nationals again, right? Um, but like baseball, like if you, if anybody that's listening wants to read a great book, it's called going, going gone. And it's a history of the Montreal Expos. Mm. Um, and, and it's a, such a good book. I couldn't put it down. I, I knocked it out pretty quick. Um, uh, but you know, the Expos were wildly popular in Montreal when they, when they first got there and mm. it, and it, a series of really bad owners at the end kind of drove the fan base away from the team. Um, but yeah, back to the original point, like the steroid area, it saved baseball. It made people yes. want to get back and watch it again. It drew in younger eyeballs because baseball is the sport that literally is has has these old white gatekeepers, mm -hmm. you know, like that that don't make it enjoyable to, to mm -hmm. younger viewers. And that's why, you know, the new commish is kind of in panicking mode um, with trying to shorten the games because, you know, next year. They eliminate the shift. You're not allowed to do that anymore. They're going to institute a uh, play clock. So pitchers and hitters can only take X amount of seconds, you know, to get in the box or, or throw the ball. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of, lot of kind of, I guess, quality of viewing changes for, for you know, fans coming up. And mm -hmm. all these things were tested in the minors this past season. And I went to a couple minor oh, league wow. games. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, I live in the South, the American yeah. South. Yeah. I didn't mind only watching a two hour and 14 minute baseball game, right? It was better than the four, the three and a half hours. I was, you know, did sitting it, out there. So it did move. It did move a lot quicker. Oh yeah. Um, 
essentially from the time that the the batter gets to the box uh the pitcher has had 12 seconds to throw the ball right wow so the days of the long just like kind of you know the stare down yeah you know and the fidgeting and all that the batter taken for a million years with his batting Mm -hmm. gloves and shit oh those days are done uh major league players are not happy about it but uh bro you don't need three and a half minutes in between each pitch man come on dude (laughs) it's a rough you have to really like the sport you can't just go to a baseball game like you can a hockey game and uh and not know what's going on You, you know not have some sort of personal relationship with the game to appreciate a two to one baseball game. Yeah. You know, a and three it's three hour like, two to one baseball game. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I think that's what I like, as I got into soccer mm. uh, in the last year or so, and I used to be that guy that's like, Oh, zero, zero games. <laughs> you know, mm. as I sit there and watch baseball, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, when you realize hacking in 90 minutes, Yes. And you do have some you do have some stoppage time, right? But Not much. Like, yeah, but you have 90 minutes of just constant back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And once I learned about the game and figured out like, oh, so this is why they do what they do. Mm-hmm. I was like, this sport kind of fucking rocks, guys. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. this is pretty cool. Uh, kind of like the same way, like with rugby, you know, like. It's amazing to know that it's not just like. It's very free flowing, but they have like actual plays that they have to memorize and they draw up based on the look of the defense on the on the pitch. And it's like and again, they do this for 90 minutes. And and most people look at these sports and they just assume it's just big people smashing into each other. You know, what is football? It's just big people smashing into each other. Oh, that guy threw an interception. He's an idiot. But but back to the, the Hamlin injury. I haven't heard anyone say it yet, and I think because it's too new and everyone's still shocked and no one wants to say the wrong thing. But do we think maybe he might have had a substance or two in him? I don't know. Um, The NFL is pretty diligent with testing now. I mean, look at Miles Garrett. He had three sacks in week 17 last year. And did not wear long sleeves on the field in Cleveland. Uh, he was drug tested the next day. Like literally, they had a a surprise test, right? Um, like the leagues don't mess around with this. Like I don't know if you saw, but Donovan Mitchell scored seventy one points last night. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. Guess who showed up at his house this morning? Drug test. Yep. <laughs> hey, <laughs> like, man, great game, brother. Can you pee in this for me? Yeah, yeah. Can you? Can you do you mind? You know, yeah. like we want to see that crank too. I mean, yeah, uh... yeah. We we, we got to put. We, we got to see how. What what do you pack? Because you yeah. You, you, know, <laughs> you know, but like people don't realize, like the leagues lean into this now because of what happened with the steroid era, right? Mm-hmm. You had guys like Craig Biggio who would end up going to die from the side effects of the steroid, the heavy steroid use he. You know, uh, yeah, we have, we do. We, we should also add that it was steroid use coupled with mm-hmm. all of the other things you can get free when you are. a. Oh, yeah. And, and, and especially illicit drug use. Like, I mean, fuck, dude, my father um, was he worked security for the Cleveland Indians, now Cleveland Guardians in the early 80s. 
Um, my dad is not a terribly intimidating man. He's very <laughs> tall. But you know what he can get his hands on that was wildly popular in the 80s? Cocaine. <laughs> right? So they made him part like a security dude, and it's because he got blow for the players. You know? <laughs> and, and that's and that's kind of I don't want to say my fear, but when I was like, oh, that's a hard thing, I'm like, you know, I hope it's a I don't hope, you know. Maybe it's an undiagnosed thing like Hank Gathers, but I feel like in 2022, because of Hank Gathers and the few other players that died, I don't know if you remember back in was it the early 2000s, a few players had collapsed when uh, ephedrine was in yeah. burners and two-a-days and all that stuff. I have known people that played in the NFL. They did use Coke. They're like, that wasn't smelling salts, man. <laughs> um, sp- special teams guys. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you get up for that? Uh, it, Adderall is is probably easier to find in that. I don't know what its effect would be, but. <sighs> well, I mean, I look at it this way, right? And you're you not, I can't disagree with any of that. But I know so many of these pro athletes now that approach their physical maintenance as a science, right? Like mm-hmm. they know that I have to eat right. I need to get X amount of hours of sleep a night. Okay, I can't, I can't, you know, ingest alcohol from, you know, August to February because it will throw off my, you know, caloric intake, right? Like <laughs> that's how they look at it. And yeah, there are players that that are just naturally like physically gifted and and ridiculously talented and they can go out and do blow and go and throw 300 yards the, you yeah. know the next day, right? But I look at a guy like DK Metcalf, you know, the wideout for Seattle who Please. looks like he's a comic yes. book hero, yes. right? The man's like he's like I'm a lot like Derrick Henry, I don't drink alcohol, I don't eat red meat. Um you know, he's like, for me, a good night, like with my friends is like, we're playing like video games until 10. I have to be asleep by 1030 mm-hmm. so I can get up at five and do my first workout of the day. He does like the cup suction therapy to to pull lactic acid away from the muscle. <laughs> like this is these are the type of things that these athletes are mm-hmm. doing now. Right. And, you know, it's it's crazy that they've looked at the scientific part of like uh you know physical fitness like dude i just started going back to gym i'm feeling really good uh i switched from beer to clear liquor you know like i'm not better (laughs) i'm not yeah you know there's there's no there's no empty calories uh in my clear liquor and my Mm. soda water than there is in me drinking like 100 Mm. beers right but like i still want to go out and have fun i'm just you know reducing the amount of time i'm not going dk metcalf right who i mean he lives in almost uh monk-like existence yeah Uh, yeah, existence you know but i mean he he knows this is what i have to do to be dk metcalf Mm -hmm. in the nfl derrick henry knows this is what i to avoid injury in a position where your your career is only allowed to be two and a half years right like running backs right he he makes these sacrifices they do these things so i mean especially with a young kid 
trying to stay on a roster as talented as Buffalo, I just I don't see it, man. Not even trying to get some sort of advantage, an edge. No, 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 I think he's just like because, dude, look at him. Like in in the media guide for Mm -hmm. Buffalo, that dude is fucking ripped. You know, he runs like a four Mm -hmm. four, and you got to think he's this guy's that size runs a four four, still was a six round pick. Yeah, right. Like that's the crazy thing. All these athletes now, like going even into high school, are controlling what they eat. They are days. They're doing all these things, and because of the idiocy of our generation of athletes. You know, the guys are like ephedra. Hey, man, that's uh, some kind of like natural supplement, right, to help lose weight? <laughs> Bet. I'm going to take 100 million grams of it and fall over dead from dehydration, right? Like, yeah. you know, like these – because of our stupid generation of athletes, these younger kids are like, you know what? I don't have to do any of that shit. I just have to like meal plan. I have to meal prep. You know, uh, what's the best – what can I do while I'm in high school to – Make sure I'm not a sore. Okay, ice baths. Bet I can do that shit. You know, like I'll push. Are- I'll push back a tad. I'll push back just a tad. I'm not disagreeing. And I will, I'll take back the word pushback. I'll add this. Okay. There is also part of this same younger generation that is very, very aware. And we should also add the availability of this knowledge is everywhere. We can turn on YouTube videos. Not you. you still can't get the equipment. And the personal training and the designed meal plan just for you. But a lot of the workouts, a lot of the thought process, a a lot of even kind of the basics of the science is available. And one thing that I have been seeing, which is kind of shocking, as I've been on my quote unquote fitness journey as well, you know, I want to go to the New York live show and be able to walk around and just, you know, just the speedo. Oh, dude. Yeah. Like at this point, I know a six pack's never going to happen. I'm just going to bulk up and get just bulky as shit. <laughs> gigantic traps, dude. Like I don't want like the big like Gimli belly, but yeah. like, maybe you see my top two abs, but you can't, can't look past my shoulders. Yeah. You know? yes, like, that's what I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm wor- yes. You, you, I'm yes. I've, there is a fit. I've been actually documenting it for the last two months now. I was like, oh, there's a, literally a physical change in in my appearance. And so I'm seeing these young kids, young kids, high school kids, still growing kids, shooting up steroids because it's so acceptable. That's the whole, like, are you natty? Are you not natty? What classifies you as being natty? Um, And that's been kind of an interesting conversation to watch. I am not a, Big time weightlifter by any stretch of the imagination, but I I, I do enjoy working out. Um, I did work at a, a boxing gym, so I'm really into certain workouts for for different kinds of sports and things like that. So to see <clears throat> so many young people feel, or just people in general, feeling very very comfortable using steroids, like the whole Liver King thing. I'm sure you followed a little bit of that. That guy. It, it wasn't just that he got caught. It was his entire, yeah, thing was clean living, right? It, like he he was yeah. clean living, and then he was just like he gets busted saying he did steroids. See, like I I'm, I'll be not truth totally honest with you, man. I'm 41, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I have a good buddy of mine that started testosterone replacement theory through mm-hmm. the VA, mm-hmm. a therapy through the VA, mm-hmm. and he's like, dude, talk to your doc and see if you can start. And 
you know, I was kind of like, I'm not gonna lie, you know, like I, I understand like our sleep cycles are fucked up, especially mine. We're working a couple jobs and, but like me, I would be exhausted, couldn't fall asleep. Right. It's really fucking with my ability to get to the gym. And when I'm at the gym, my lifts are just so bad. Like it's not even fucking mm -hmm. worth it. You know, mm -hmm. I don't want to eat. I don't want to do shit. So I was like, you know what? forget it. I called my doc up. I'm like, Hey, can you take some blood and test my, my testosterone levels? Um, and my buddy was like, listen, even if you're like 0.18 of a point lower than what it's supposed to be, the VA is going to be like, bro, we're starting you, right? Mm -hmm. Because what a lot of people don't realize is when, uh, you know, as, as dudes age, our testosterone production gets lower yes. and lower. But what a lot of people also don't realize, um, if you're somebody that's had horrible trauma and are a man, and it doesn't even need to be war trauma, it could just be you were sexually assaulted. It could be you witnessed mm -hmm. something horrible. Um, mm -hmm. If you are diagnosed with PTSD, there's like an 80% chance that your body doesn't produce enough testosterone for you as a man. Right? Oh, wow. Yes. Wow. So, you know, I deployed and saw a lot of horrible shit where I was from, you know? So I'm <laughs> like, I, I read this study and I'm like, okay, one, this has got to be all bullshit, right? And then I start looking at the docs who produced it and it's all like widely you know, supported by their peers. And I'm like, okay, so there's some truth to this, right? And so I go and get my blood tested and they're like, dude, you're like six points lower than where you should be at your age. So absolutely, we're going to start. So, I mean, I am going to have to inject testosterone into my, my abdomen, which mm -hmm. kind of freaks me out. You know, that's part of the reason why I never did steroids because I didn't think I could stick myself with a needle. Yeah, um, in the same hole. Yeah, you know, but like, yeah, yeah, same spot. Yeah, this is, you know, actual testosterone to help me like, you know, my body just like help replicate skin. So like my I can heal from a cut better, you know, like, because my body is yeah. just like, you know, it's 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 miss it's not firing on all cylinders. So like, you know, it's it's nuts what, um, you know, with, with the knowledge of that going back to what you're talking about, like people are like, yo, I up my, my testosterone production, like you said, through steroids. And mm -hmm. even at a young age, you know, 15, 16, you know, I had kids as young as 18 years old when I was in the military that would openly inject in front of me when we were deployed because we never tested. Jesus. Right. And I'm like, guys, like, yeah, I know there's the, the chance we could die in a, by a gunfire or an idea or whatever, but like, we're just here. All we do is lift weights and watch movies. You know, like you don't really need to go the chemical route, you know. They you know? want to get, they want to get but, buff, man. They they want the glamour muscles. They want to get buff. I saw this thing with this kid, yeah. Mac. He was like seventeen or eighteen. He just wanted to try one cycle, and he got the worst acne I've ever seen on a human, to the point where <sighs> he's constantly in pain, and can't even lay down from all the like massive white heads oh. that he has and uh he said someone saw him at the gym lifting and hit him on the back i was like hey man good set and he was just like almost he dropped everything because it was so much pain from hitting all these huge you know painful pimples and and you know that's not, that's not all of it there's there's so many other problems with that stuff but to see young people who are not even done growing like you said hey dude you're not even done growing yet yeah i mean dude i 
my son is in karate and my, my daughter does aerial, you know, that ribbon yep. kind of like stuff. And my daughter came up to me and she's 13. So like the fact that she confided in me at all was quite shocking. <laughs> um, but she's like, dad, I'm skinny fat. And I was like, sweetheart, no, you're not. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to. Yeah. I was like, kiddo, like, no, you're not skinny fat. She's like, no, dad. Like a lot of this is upper body strength that I don't have. So I can't do everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, well, that's not being skinny fat. You just have no, you know, my son's in karate and his coach is big on conditioning. So they don't just roll into like doing the katas and stuff. Like they do like push ups mm-hmm. and sit ups and duck walks, you know? Mm-hmm. And my son's just like, dad, the conditioning is killing me. So I'm like, okay, well, we'll start doing, um, you know, I have like five pound weights. I'm like, we're going to lift these. And like, it's mm-hmm. easy for them. And they're like, well, can we lift heavier? And I'm like, absolutely not. Both of you, you know, you're 13 and 11. Um, you know, I had a, a buddy I played football with in high school, Jason, that like his his parents started making him lift at like nine years old. Oof. And he was fucking ripped. But you know what that dude could not do? Uh, mm. Not suffer ligament injuries. Ooh, like, interesting. You know, like he was constantly like he always had like uh, ligament pain. Um, you know, he tore his, I think his MCL, his sophomore year, and then his PCL, his junior year, like there was always something wrong with all the connecting tissue of the muscle, you know, like the bones in a, in the ligaments of a kid, they're not supposed to naturally form without you like putting, you know, telling your, your nine-year-old kid, you know what, you're 74 pounds. We're going to get up to, get you up to 90, 10% body fat. You know, when their body fat percentage should be closer to 20 at that age. And Why then, aren't you benching 125? Yeah. I need you to be benching double your body weight. Come on. Oh, on, you, fat you know fuck. what? You know, and it's just I'm, like. I'm God. very glad I found out that that's a myth. The whole you should be able to bench your, your body weight is a myth. Dude, I am bulky. Like I'm, I'm a, like I'm a wide set dude. For me, you need to squat your body weight. Right. You should be able to at least do that. Uh, but like benching, so much goes into it that I would rather people go mm-hmm. lighter, but do it correctly. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, like two weeks ago at the gym, this dude decided he was going to be Bill- Billy Badass and decided he was going to go grab the 110 pound barbell or dumbbells. Oh, you tried to be uh, that and dude? You saw his, you, you, you heard his whole pec rip. Um, oh. Like over, over the, the, your, and this Ooh. kid dropped the weight and I looked at him and I'm like, dude, like in my head, I didn't, cause I, he was in horrible pain. I wasn't trying to be that big of an asshole, but I'm like, dude, I handled the 80 pound dumbbells pretty well, but I'm not even like going to touch those things yet. And I'm probably twice as wide in the shoulders as he was, you know what I mean? Like he had no like, business. That's not how you're going to get shit. ripped, dude. You need to, you need to no. get muscle hypertrophy. You can't just, you know, Exactly. It's about form. It's Mm -hmm. about doing things correctly, you Mm -hmm. know, so you don't hurt yourself, period, you know. And so like when people see me because like my doc just gave me the clearance and he's like, dude, just lift, like lift, you know, no restrictions, just go and do it. Mm -hmm. So I I, even me, I started nice and light. I'm like, fuck this, dude, I got to get back into it. I don't want to hurt myself uh, because if I hurt myself, I'm going to stop. And if I stop, I don't know if I'm going back. Yeah. You know, like. So I was just, I keep it nice and light. Uh, some days it's really easy. Others, 
not so much, but I don't care. Like I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying myself again. It's nice being able to do this again. Um, but yes, kids, no sense. lift light. And if you're 10 and listening to this, one, go to bed. And two, don't need to look right now. <laughs> and on that note, um, look, thank you, Mac, for hanging out with me. Um, I want to hear what you guys have to say about the Hamlin injury. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about this college bowl season. Are people excited for this national championship game with is it was a Georgia against TCU? Georgia and TCU. Uh, and, and before we head out, I'm going to tell you right now, this was the best college football semifinal games in the history of the CFPA. I saw just highlights. I, unfortunately, I couldn't see them. They blocked them real hard for us here in Mexico, um, the way I usually watch them. And uh, what I saw highlight-wise was exciting. Even I saw some highlights of the, uh, I don't know what bowl it was that USC played. Uh, that was a cotton bowl. That was a cotton bowl. My goodness. Yeah. My goodness. Again, oh, dude, five. I mean, Caleb Williams, is he the real deal? Before we go, is Caleb Williams the real deal? Absolutely. Um, and on top of that, Kerr Herbstreit and and uh, Bob Costa, shut the fuck up. So he put "fuck Utah" on his nails. Who cares? Um, kids get pumped up that way, and he's twenty years old. You know, like he's playing football on, excuse me, arguably the largest stage in the country. Just yes. let him be him. Yes. You know, um, he's a phenomenal athlete, uh, yes. and we're already seeing uh, professional, you know, NFL team fan bases that are like, we need to tank for Caleb already, right? He still has to play oh. another year in college before he's allowed to come out. <laughs> Him and Bryce, what's his name? Bryce, uh, the kid in Alabama. Bryce Young. Young. Bryce Young, um, but, who's from California. Uh-huh. That should be Bryce Young at, at USC. And had they well, had dude, NIL when he was getting recruited, he would have stayed. Jason, CJ Stroud, quarterback for the Buckeyes from Rancho Cucamonga. Yeah, he would have stayed. These guys would have stayed yeah. if they would have had the opportunity to stay. I, I think uh, that's we should build an episode around that because I don't know if that's the case. I think for a lot of schools, they're so good at putting out positional players, quarterback, wide receiver being the, the big two at Ohio State right now. I can see C.J. Stroud leaving California for that, right? You know why he would have stayed? Because Caleb Williams, I've seen multiple Caleb Williams national TV ads. Okay, yeah, but get this. Caleb Williams also went to Oklahoma first. Yeah. We all He's a transfer. Mistakes. He's a transfer. Most all right. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, let's face it. Caleb Williams followed Lincoln there. Um, yes. But you know, that's I think that's a whole other episode. But, all, but, but a lot of but a lot of big name quarterbacks in college football are from SoCal. Uh, the kid at Clemson with the name I can't pronounce. Are you talking about uh, Ugalele? Yeah. He just transferred. He's at Oregon State now. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And guess get this: his brother, his younger brother, who was like a, a five-defensive end. Yeah. Committed to Oregon. To Oregon. Oregon? <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. Uh, the, the like you said, C.J. Stroud, um, Bryce Young. Who else is a SoCal guy that's not playing in SoCal? There's a couple of them. I, I think mean, the, even I think the kid from UC, I think the kid from UCLA is like the only actual SoCal quarterback playing in SoCal. Yeah, but like even then, like um, I saw a lot of like two and three star kids playing for smaller teams uh like there's a kid from 
I want to say Sacramento. That's a guard at Toledo, right? Like, mm -hmm. and he was a two-star recruit, but he was all Mac this, you know, this year, you know, mm -hmm. like, um, and I, I, and I know you, you have to go, you know, but, uh, I, I was talking to a couple guys on a group chat with about Ohio state and, you know, they threw, they like to throw out these other, these are the like ratings things, but I'm like a two star in California is a four star in every other state than Texas, Ohio, and Florida. Damn. And Damn. that is no lie. I was like, look at two star recruits in California and they're typically two star because they're an inch or two too short or instead of a four, four, they run a four or five. Yeah. Right. And they're a two star in California, but if they were in Nebraska, they're a four. Maybe yeah, all, state, like, all state starting right away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, we, we should, we should do a, a show about that. Uh, I, I'm excited about that and we will be back. Are we going to be back next week? Yeah. I, we, what we do when you, when you finish up tonight, shoot me a text mm -hmm. and okay. then we'll figure out a day. I can like say, I cannot be touched on this evening <laughs> so I can make sure when we say, Hey, we're going to be live on this day. We're going to yes. be live. Because I want the we need to do the calls again for the show. So we, when we come back, we will be doing calls. So thank you guys. Let us know what you think. I'm excited about this college football championship. You know, again, I hope I hope this young man in uh, in Buffalo Hamlin uh, is a Hamlin Hamlin, right? Yeah, and and the thing is, the the dude's been running a GoFundMe for two years to raise money to buy toys oh, for for underprivileged oh, kids. Goodness. Um, it's three and a half million dollars since last night. Well, I hope it's not all in vain. Yes, I uh, dude, I want that kid to get up out of his fucking bed. Yeah. Um, take some recovery time, and then we see him on the field next September. That's what I want. That's you that's know? the Disney ending. Yep. Let's all let's all hope for a Disney ending for this young man. We are out.